I think we, uh, we applauded for the bell choir. We should also applaud for the scripture reader. <laughs> that is a tough reading. <laughs> so, um, thank you for bringing the word of the Lord to us, Mary. <clears throat> the, um, the prior three weeks, if you've been with us, we have been focused on, on the on the Beatitudes in particular, on the blessings that God provides um, to the spiritually poor, to those who are mourning and grieving the loss of not just um, loved ones, but the loss of faith in the, in the world and the culture. <clears throat> God um, blesses, Jesus says, God blesses um, those who are humble, those who have humility, God blesses the merciful, God blesses the persecuted, and so we have these wonderful, beautiful beatitudes, these blessings that God has showered upon us. And then we're also told that we are the church in those blessings and beyond, that as the church we are the salt that adds seasoning to the world, and we are also the light of the world. and that we, the body of Christ, are these things. You see, we individually cannot be all of that. I mean, some people may be much better at uh, mourning and grieving the loss of faith in the world, but some might be better at being showing acts of mercy. Some might be better at, um, uh, you know, sustaining a persecuted life. I mean, in, in some respects, that's kind of what Lena, who was with us at the early service, um, has been experiencing this last year, uh, ministering in Bolivia and in Colombia. So, in, in the sense that what God is telling us these prior three weeks is really about our Christian identity. You are a child of God. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And what Jesus is saying is nothing can remove that. God has chosen you to be his son, to be his daughter. God loves you and wants to empower you. And so now what Jesus seems to be doing is, as he addresses, continues to address the disciples, is to move from the community to the individual to move from the proclamation of this good news to how do we now live this out in our daily lives? How can God use the law to transform us, to change us? And so what we focus on in this teaching today, first of all, is that for Jesus, the law is not just words on a page. Jesus is being confronted by Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders, and one of the things that they confront him with is that um, some say, well, you're trying to, to eliminate the law. You're trying to get rid of the law, the Torah. And, uh, and, and so Jesus' response to them is that Not one iota of the law, and iota is a Hebrew term, Um, the Hebrew alphabet has 
um, each word is composed of three letters, consonants, and uh, then the vowel markings are underneath, and the, the oida would be one of the vowel markings. Um, it looks almost like a comma. And um, so what Jesus is saying is not one of those breath marks, even the breath marks will be removed from the law until heaven and earth disappear, until Christ comes again. And so the law is of benefit. The law has a purpose, Jesus says. And so what he is communicating to his disciples is exactly what this purpose means for them. For Christmas, Patty and I bought each other the same gift. It's kind of an expensive gift, so we always trying to economize. <laughs> so we bought each other this gift. It's a new oven for our kitchen. And um, some of you think appliances are not gifts, but we happen to think they are. Um, and, and so you bought me an iron? <laughs> well, maybe irons don't qualify, but, but ovens, I think, qualify. And uh, so we have a new range, uh, stovetop and oven, um, gas on the top, electric in the oven, great for baking, stovetop great for cooking. I mean, this is the ideal kind of oven you want. And, and so we're enjoying this new oven. But one of the things that we notice is that it, is it really vibrates. I mean, it, it can vibrate pretty loud when it starts. I mean, there's a lot of energy that's pulsating through this new thing. And um, so in the process of, of that oven heating up, it can heat up in just minutes to 400 degrees. Uh, because of that energy, because of that power, um, and the functions that, that that energy gets controlled by, gets channeled by, um, I mean, it can bake, it can convection, convection bake, it can roast, it can broil, it can, it can um, super boil. I mean, put that pot of water on the super boiler and poof, within a couple of minutes it's boiling. And, and so it's really an amazing oven. And uh, be, because of its vibrancy, it has great power, and it pulsates with life and vigor and vitality. Um, and it's, it's an amazing appliance. And the law for Jesus is like that. It's a vibrant law. It is meant to pulsate with life, to bring life, not to bring death. For some, the law is dead. It is inactive. It is lifeless. It is interpreted to use uh, for what you want it to be used for, to support what you want it to support. The Pharisees and the scribes um, were really good at this. They they were interpreters of the law. They could interpret the law so that, that it not only had what they thought was power, but it also benefited them. So, uh, for example, um, divorce, um, which Jesus talks about here. Um, when, when he talks about uh, divorce being reinterpreted, completely reinterpreted, um, he is challenging the way they have been interpreting divorce. So he's, his, you know, one of the things that Jesus is always looking out for is how does this impact people? especially the poor and the powerless. 
So the powerless in a marriage in Jesus' day were women. Um, they're the ones that um, had no power in that relationship. And so when Jesus is talking about not allowing divorce, what he's saying is that you cannot dispose of your wife. You have responsibilities to her. So, for example, in modern day uh, vernacular, let's say that, uh, that there's this man who, a friend of yours who's complaining, you know, <clears throat> I'm so tired of my wife. She just nags all day long. You know, I get home from work and I want to watch my sports channel. I want to drink a beer and I want to just relax. And she's telling me things that I got to do out in the yard. I am so tired of her. You know, I met my neighbor and she's a single woman. She's really nice. And she can cook much better than my wife. So I'm going to divorce my wife, who hasn't been very helpful to me, and I'm going to marry my neighbor. So that's what the Pharisees were doing. Um, they could dispose of the wife. Now, the problem with that is that now this wife has no identity because her identity in the past was um, related in marriage to the husband. So she has no financial means. She has no legal power. Um, she is now basically like a bag of trash disposed of. And so Jesus is arguing against this kind of interpretation. It is not right for the, those who have no power in the relationship to be treated in that form and, and manner. That would be a dead use of the law because it serves only one person, me. It doesn't serve the family. It doesn't serve the community. It just serves me. And so what Jesus is challenging here is um, how we have allowed the law to become lifeless. He wants the law to be full of life, and boy, do we get it full of life in his teaching here. I mean, it is very vibrant. It is pulsating with power and energy. I mean, it is, he is challenging us in ways that we never thought we could be challenged. So one of the other issues with Jesus is the Pharisees and the scribes felt like Jesus was eliminating the law in his teachings. They thought that by his focus on the power of God, that it was taking away that the people should be following the law. You remember, he would, he would heal people on the Sabbath. He would do things that were contrary to the law. So they, they thought he was trying to eliminate the law. The law provides structure and defines how we can live together. The law is a gift. But what if the law was to go away? Some of you have heard me refer to this book. It's a silly little book that I read probably on an airline flight. It was like an hour and a half read, I think. It was uh, Who Moved My Church? Remember the business book, Who Moved My Cheese? And this is about the church pastor and some of the leaders go to the church on a Sunday morning and the church is gone, completely missing, just an empty, vacant lot. So they go around to the community asking, do you know where our church is? And the people in the community have never heard of that church. The problem with that church was that it served 
the people within the interior of the building. The church wasn't seen, didn't see itself in the context of the community. And so what Jesus is trying to say here is that, <clears throat> that the, the law has a purpose. The law has a reason for being. Now, if we were to live without the law, it might be kind of fun in the beginning. I mean, just think about this. You wouldn't have to pay your taxes? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. You, you could speed to work and not worry about getting caught. Um, you know, you, you, life could become kind of pleasant in some ways that would bring some advantage to you. But then we forget about what would happen in terms of the chaos. Um, in the beginning, this sounds like fun. I mean, you don't have to pay your credit card off. Uh, but what about how it impacts your family? Think about if you can speed to work, then there's no reason for stoplights either. And um, no reason for DWIs. No, no guarantee that your company actually has to pay you the paycheck. Um, no way to prove that you own your own house. Um, perhaps no guarantee of clean water or clean air. When you begin to think about it, it's like maybe... Maybe the law can bring some good. Maybe it's helpful to have the law uh, to help provide structure to define who we are as a community. It doesn't mean that we need to be... Matter of fact, it can be deadly to have too much law. But there is a vibrancy in the law if it's, doing, if it's working well. There's a vibrancy in the law. Jesus doesn't love the law for the sake of the law. Jesus loves the law for what the law does in you. Jesus doesn't interpret the law to benefit him. Jesus doesn't interpret the law to benefit you. Jesus interprets the law so that it brings life for you and for the community. It says, Jesus said, not even the smallest detail will disappear. That little iota, not even that will disappear until the law's purpose is achieved. When the world comes to an end and Christ brings us all home. Jesus doesn't just affirm the law in this teaching. He radicalizes the law. He says things like, if you, uh, if you say that you have not committed uh, murder, I mean, I thankfully can say I've never committed murder. I'm good with that one. I don't know how you are all doing, but it makes me feel good that I can say that until I read that Jesus says, but have you ever been angry with someone? Because that's just as bad. Now there's a vibrancy. Now, you know, before, the law was working for me. Now, I have to work through the law. So, when Jesus <clears throat> reinterprets the law and radicalizes it, he's doing it not for the sake of saying, these are the extremes now that you need to follow. What he's doing is trying to say, wake up. Let the law live within you. 
Let it become vibrating like that new oven. I mean, let the power of the law stir you up, get you to reflect upon your life so that the law can truly protect us to help maintain order, to create life. Sometimes I've tried to make my case by saying, well, you know, I know you're not supposed to get angry, but on occasion, you know, I have shown righteous anger, and I'm sure God is good with that. You know, as I interpreted, as I defined and read the scriptures in the Greek, there's no distinction. <laughs> that one does not work. And so, what Jesus is doing is challenging us all here that the purpose of the law is to oscillate between all corners of our existence. I don't lie, but I have told a white lie. I have fibbed, right? I don't steal, but have you ever fudged on your income taxes? I honor my parents, but have you ever brought dishonor upon your parents? You see, the vibrancy there challenges us to think and to rethink who we are. One of the, one of the changes that Jesus is making with the church, with his disciples here, one of the changes is that he wants the law to be vibrant so that it can actually work and do its purpose. For instance, when you offend somebody, you make some comment that hurts their feelings. And then you say, oh, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. That's a nice gesture, but that's all it is. It's an internal feeling, thought, that gets expressed. And what Jesus is saying is that Let's not stop there. Let's go a little bit deeper here. Now, why did you make that insult? Are you frustrated? Are you angry? What, what dwelled within you to bring up that issue? And so as, as Jesus challenges us to do this, what happens is that we begin to experience transformation. We begin to change because we begin to live differently. It's like, I'm not only going to say I'm sorry, I want to dig deeper to figure out why did I do that so that I can turn away from how I've dealt with this in the past and turn to a new way of dealing with it. See, Jesus is saying that the law is useful. <clears throat> the reformer, Martin Luther, said that there were two purposes for the law. One was to provide order and structure for families, for community. And that's kind of what we're talking about here today, is how can this law bring life? Because too often we have used the law as a tool of judgment. Sometimes we have had people condemn us with the law, and so the law does not feel good. But what if the law was there to awaken us? Because we have this phenomenal relationship with God. <clears throat> God is not going to leave us. God's not going to leave you. <clears throat> God is, is 
committed to you. God says, you are my child. I love you. There is nothing you can do that would ever make me separate from you. So since we have this relationship, why, do you, why would you not want it to be a fuller, more lively relationship? Do you want to grow with me? And so that's the kind of relationship that, that Jesus envisions for his disciples, for, for the church, for us. The purpose is that it could be that which would create order and meaning. But there's a second use of the law, Luther said, and that's to drive us to trust in Jesus alone. So as you work on that spiritual change, that spiritual transformation, there may be times in your life when you are just about beaten down as far as you can go and you have no other hope. You have worked at it, you have tried to change, you have done everything possible to make it work, and it's just not working. You've done everything. I mean, you have done everything in your ability to make it work, and it doesn't. And so what happens? Jesus says, that's when you need to trust in me. Stop doing all that stuff. Stop relying on yourself and rely on me. Because I will make it work for you. First, it's good, it brings order, structure. The second is better because it drives us to the cross because that's where Jesus fulfills it for us. He fulfills the law by going to Jerusalem, by suffering, by being crucified, dying, and by being buried for three days, and then being raised again from the dead to life everlasting. That is what Jesus wants you to trust in. The law is good when it comes from the lawgiver Jesus because it will never be so much that it takes you to the utter edges of despair. Jesus loves you too much to let that happen. So trust in him.